Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends. I have, I don't want to say an old friend because that sounds like she's an old friend, but she's been a friend for a long time. We've done a lot of activities together, so to speak. This is Chaplain Lisa Northway. She has been with the U.S. Army for 33 years. And today, as of this recording, it just happens to be her 31-year anniversary in marriage to her husband, Garrett. And yes. so, Lisa, thanks for making the time Thank you. to do this little interview here. We are still at the Blast Next Level event in my home in Springfield, Missouri. And Lisa is looking to build her family life chaplaincy platform while she is still in the Army. And then beyond that, looking into doing some family life type of coaching. This is her passion. I have seen her operate in this passion many times uh, on the J-Bear uh, military base up in Alaska. She was currently at Fort Hood down in Texas. But for right now, you are in Springfield, Missouri. I am. And I have to tell you that in all of the years that we've known each other, which has been about six now. It's 2015. What I have observed is that you are getting more and more gorgeous and confident or maybe i should put that in a different order you are getting more and more confident and that is making you more and more gorgeous most people associate age with becoming less and less sexually confident or sexually appealing i think that you have like the benjamin button syndrome going on like you just seem to be hitting your stride more so the past six years than any other season of your life am i correct in that assessment I think you so. feel that I way? feel that way, yes. And I wish him Garrett feels that way. I've gotten some positive feedback. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned the other day that a friend saw some of your photos and made an interesting comment. I have a friend, a colleague who I look up to. Uh, we're the same age. And actually, uh, a couple of years ago, she uh, knew she was going to be on the same base as me. And she's been coming through some, for some training. And she said, I need to see you in person. I need to ask you some very specific questions. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And, and of course, I was looking forward to getting together with her. And when we had that moment, she said, what is it? What is your secret? Because whatever you're doing, I want some of that. It's working. <laughs> I'm not doing anything, <laughs> per se. <laughs> well, I disagree. I think that you have to be doing some things that would be beneficial for my audience. To know because here's the thing the reality is is that sometimes women hit that middle age point and they stop trying I really love that commercial with the older woman with the gray hair that's really short and spiky and she says uh, that there's an age where women stop trying and she says I wonder what age that is because she is rocking her look I think that that kind of describes Lisa you are rocking your look in this era and you just keep getting sharper and more radiant and so why well first of all people are going to want to know how old are you i just turned 59 last week okay and you also got some really good news about your age and your assignment yes uh, <laughs> you gotta tell that story well uh, through a series of the way the army works with promotions and different kinds of things even including not being promoted on time uh, I received uh, notice that I was selected to continue uh, 
and that date that was on there, the anticipated date, if I received it, it would have been the your birth month, typically, of the age of 62. And when I saw the day and the month, I said, oh, certainly, this is a typo. So I, I called up my uh, assignments uh, officer, chaplain, I said, sir, this, this is a typo, right? He says, well, actually, no, Chaplain Northway, uh, potentially, you can serve until you're 64. Does it, it's not a guarantee. You have to apply for it by the time you're 61. And then it, all things being well enough, you can continue. And I said, so are you telling me I can actually serve potentially longer than some of my uh, supervisors, my colleagues that are already a rank or two ahead of me down the road? And he said, oh, yes. You could easily expect to be here around here longer than some of those. What a compliment. In other words, they see the vitality and the confidence, and they don't want to lose you just because you reach a certain age. And so talk to us, Lisa, what, what do you feel as if some of the best things that you do for self-care would be? Uh, there's a, a number of things. Uh, uh, I think I, I think part of it is knowing my limits. Uh, I haven't always been good at that. Uh, I mean, I think I inwardly know. I think I maybe outwardly talk about it more. Mm -hmm. What I, I be aware of what I can't do, what I'm not willing to do. So how does that free me up to what I can do? Where can I make a difference? Where can I grow? Where can I match? I'm not the kind of, I've never been the kind of soldier or chaplain that can hang in there for that whole brigade run. But what can I do? I can go and still be out there when I'm not getting to set the pace. When, and they usually won't let a 50-ish or older person do that all the time because that's not how to train, right? Right. But I can be out there encouraging my soldiers, my troops. I can be out there saying, there's a way to stay in, in the game. There's a way to stay in the race. And, and recently I spoke on that verse um, from Ecclesiastes. The race is not to the swift. Mm -hmm. And I am living proof of that. Mm -hmm. So keeping on pace with uh, surrounding yourself with young people too, I think is it helps keep you oh, young. Oh, it's so energizing. Everybody has that age group I think that energizes them. Mm -hmm. For me, it's always been young adults. Right. And in a military role, there's lots of those mm -hmm. surrounding you. I also suspect that you've had to undo some of the tapes that play in your head from your childhood and that you've had to re-record new tapes. Talk to us about some of the things that you remember from childhood that probably held you back until you were mature enough to let them go. Oh, um, I was part of a blended family. Uh, we would all of us from in that blended family, we would all agree, we would all tell you it was not the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times that was glossed over because this was the, um, the late 70s, mid to late 70s. And, uh, and in that, that angst and, and having that sort of feeling like it sprung upon you, even though my, my mother and my beloved stepfather um, had dated for five years until they made that decision. Um, you put a house full of teenagers, of seven teenagers, almost in the same house. There, there's bound to be some chaos. And I remember an incident where um, one of my siblings was um, making my hair, and 
hot rollers were really in that. You know, hot rollers. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah. Play yeah, uh, yeah. With we the metal. We all had our own. We all had our own set. Uh-huh. And uh, and then she wanted to get an opinion on how how she did, and she. Uh, my one of my stepbrothers was Candy, and she said, "Hey, what do you think about how does how does she look?" And he uh, he looked at me. He, he saw, and she says, "She goes, look at her, look at how I done her hair." And he and he looked, and then he looked at me again. He says, "Turn around, that's better. That's a better side." And I remember my that that sibling uh, laughing, the other sibling laughing, and thinking, "I'm there was nothing I could do in that moment." That, there's no way when you're absorbing the pain of really being called and being laughed at on how ugly you are, mm. that you didn't measure up in some way. It's a hard thing as a child. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, uh, getting to a place in my life where I could unpack that decades later, right. in, at, at the uh, Woman with the Well experience and, and talking about some of those griefs. Right. What year was that that you came? 2015. 2015. In the middle of my. Uh, family life chaplain so you were 53 when you came into that workshop same age as I am now and I distinctly remember the pain that you were it was just so evident that it was very raw that it was still like right here some of those names that you've been called as a teenager and even into adulthood I remember you mentioning some other people that had given you the impression that they thought that you were you used the word ugly Right. Yeah, I definitely had a sense of that. Even even the messages, even from a professor at Bible College who said, hey, that Lisa Northway, she needs to change her major. She'll never be able to be a pre go to go to seminary. She's just not that academic. And just getting those messages time over time that you just don't measure up. You just you're not you know how could that you're how not could you smart enough? You're not pretty enough. You're not successful enough. You're not determined enough. All that is not the not the type. Wow. Well, you've proven them wrong. <laughs> I guess um, at some point I had to believe God said what He said, and God was who He said He would be mm-hmm. in my life. I had to I had to keep walking forward and, and find that out for myself. Right. I remember when I flew up to Alaska, you know, it had been one thing for you to come to me in my workshops. It was another thing for me to get to step onto your turf and see you in action. But I just distinctly remember thinking, even in camouflage and combat boots, this woman is radiant. That You were rocking that look and the confidence with which you were conducting yourself. I just thought, there is a woman who knows who she is and is so comfortable in her own skin. But did you always feel that way in adulthood, or was that something that you really had to cultivate? Yeah, that that was a hard rot uh, sensation, a hard rot feeling. That is definitely uh, who I was not. Uh, I was I've always been, and in some ways, a lot of people would tell you I'm still a square peg. You know, in the military community, a female chaplain. Yeah, I'm the a very rare. I'm the only female uh, family life chaplain on active duty right now, and we're hoping that's going to change as we go out and spread the message and recruit. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of the training assignments that you've been on, you're surrounded by men. Very few females in the military chaplaincy. Am I accurate on that? Absolutely. We, it's definitely a growing number and it's exciting. Uh, I have been so enjoyed 
the, the increase to be joined by so many chaplain sisters. I actually have a, a, a fellowship, a chaplain sister fellowship mill in my house at least every other month where we just encourage each other. There's tears, there's laughter, there's prayer. And it, it's, such, it's such a rich time for us in history to be able to, uh, to look across the room or know that you can call or text somebody across the fort who, who just gets it, who may also be being excluded because of their gender or their voice sounds different. And they also know what it's like to be the only woman in the room, mm -hmm. the only woman on the team mm -hmm. sometimes, and certainly the only chaplain generally in the organization. Right. And so before we pivot into a conversation on blossoming sexually from middle age and beyond, because again, a lot of people just associate the second half of life with that's when you're wrapping up your sexuality, not ramping up your sexuality. There's a big difference between wrapping up and ramping up. I definitely have seen you ramping up these past few years, but there's something very unique about the calling that you have as chaplain in the military and your husband's calling that has created a big challenge for you guys in the sexual intimacy department. Unpack that for our audience before we dive in, because I think that this really speaks to your credibility on this topic, that you've had to be very intentional. So, uh, as I was, we were coming back from an overseas assignment, um, I had to uh, report to my schoolhouse and take uh, a course, it's a, it's a mid-career course, and then uh, directly after I knew I'd be attending the Family Life Chaplain School. So that meant, that's a 22, min 22 months in a row just being in an academic environment, in a military academic environment, and we had thought about it, we had wanted for a long time for Garrett to be able to step into his qualifications and what he what he could do, uh, what he was already doing mostly for free mm -hmm. in the military environment, and uh, he was selected to be uh, director of religious education for the army in Alaska, very far away from where I would be in the Carolinas during the, those 22 months. And so, but in the unity, we made a decision, knowing that it would be difficult. But thinking, well, we've been separated due to deployments and the trainings. We could do this if we know there's like a, a date that it all ends. Right. And, uh, and so in that 22 months, in the first, um, those 22 months, uh, I did what a lot of us as Christian women got to do is you, you build your support system. You, have, you build your accountability system. And uh, I had such amazing Christian women and men come around me. Mm. Okay. And so I, surrounding yourself with mm -hmm. friends who could encourage you and remind you that you're not alone, very key, yes. very good step. That 22-month separation, though, that wasn't all there was, was it? No. Uh, we're not part of the Army Couples, Army Married Couples Program because I was a civilian and I'm a, what they call a green suitor, so no, we're not entitled to that. Thankfully, the Chaplain Corps of the Army saw fit to put me as close as they could. That was still an hour plane ride away from where my husband was stationed. He was at, at Fort Wainwright, and I was told I could go to Joint Base on Wake Richards in Anchorage. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, at least we're in the same state. Mm -hmm. But Alaska's an awfully big state. I think you can fit a few of Texas <laughs> states. Right. A few Texas is inside of uh, Alaska. It's, it's pretty yeah. big. And so you said that Garrett had calculated the total number of years that y'all had had to have been geographically separated in order to serve the military in his civilian role and your 
uh, chaplaincy role. About eight years total by the time we got to what ended up, we thought was going to be 22 months, ended up being five years of having separate households. Okay. So basically five to eight years, you would think that that would put so much stress on a marriage and on an individual's life mm -hmm. that there's no way that that relationship would survive. But yet, from what I have seen, you guys' relationship has really been thriving. I can say that honestly because we were talking about how today is your 31-year anniversary and it was one year ago that we were doing coaching via Zoom because of the COVID virus, but you were celebrating 30 years of marriage. But just hearing y'all's journey through the years and how you have kept each other encouraged and tried to keep those home fires burning, even though you weren't in the same home, that that's been a challenge, but you've both risen to that challenge. You've, you've been, again, very intentional. Not without a lot of hard work, a lot of digging deep. I, I think um, I had to learn how to talk. I had to learn how to ask for what I need. I needed to be able, I had to learn to make it safe for him to, uh, to speak what he needed from me. Not that we have got it all figured out. Right. Not that we that we're doing it perfectly. I thought, you know, if I I want to have the credibility, if I'm helping other people with their marriages and their relationships, I want to grab, I want to have something good going on. Right. If you're going to be a family life chaplain, <laughs> you better have a strong family life and a strong marriage. Not perfect again. Right. But go going in the, that right direction, that better direction. Right. Having something better than when we started off. And I, I really came to the point I'm able to articulate. I don't want that marriage. I love you. I've always loved you. I've always been attracted to my husband. And that was something too we, we talked about before about not drinking certain Kool-Aids. When we were in, when we met in Bible school, we actually, the first, um, the first uh, premarital counseling that was offered, it was at his home church locally in Southern California. Uh, the, the, uh, the young pastor, uh, associate pastor was up there with his wife. He said, Y'all need to get ready uh, to realize that um, honeymoon's not all that. You might need to plan a second one because it's complicated, <laughs> it's messy, and then actually about six months into the marriage, there's not going to be that real fire and attraction. And we just looked at each other and he said, that's not going to be us. Good and we you. never went back. It doesn't have to be. I hate it when people get prescriptive of, you know, they, they think that what happened to them is probably what's going to happen to everyone. Mm -hmm. And he was merely, yeah, we'll move on. But how have you and Garrett kept the home fires burning when you're having to be apart or when you have to be together? Because I also know that in addition to the fact that y'all are finally together after all these years of being apart, you also have the added issue of having a, an elderly mother who lives with you. Yes. And as something we always want to be able to take care of our parents, his, mine, and uh, we're blessed uh, to actually still have each have a parent living, or we each have a parent or two that on each side who have passed on. And so we're getting to do, to do uh, what we wanted to do, but there are burdens that go with that blessing. Not that they're a burden, not right. that those people are burdened, it's just like we have to figure out how to do life a on time and energy. Right, mm -hmm. and figure out how to negotiate that. So at the same time, I was doing reintegration with Garrett, living under the same household. Um, I, we've both been learning how to uh, do integration with mom. my mom. And fortunately, uh, my mom loves Garrett 
deeply. My parents have always uh, loved him, yeah. and appreciated. So we have got that foundation, uh, but we've uh, along the way, you know, we've had to do some some deep some deep work. And, and we, not that we are able to give it to give it to ourselves as as give ourselves over to it as, as often, but having to get away and as I've been trying to figure out. I know you you talked a lot about to us last year about um, trying to build in rituals. Well, I'm not really good at that, but just trying to grab it when we can. Uh, one of the things um, that I, I have picked up along the way, just because I'm, I'm not a fast runner, I had to figure out how to do something that was going to keep me shape, keep me limber, keep me uh, in, in a better spot. And for me, that was hot yoga. I like sweat it out, but I'm not moving really fast. And that's something that he yeah. he enjoys doing with me. I enjoy so y'all can do that, that together. You can do that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yoga is fantastic on a multitude of different levels, but the fact that you guys can do it together that has to create a really special bond. He's even offered. Do you just need this to, to be your time away? Like, no, I want you there with me on the mat. Right. You know? And mom's not there. Right. Maybe that's why it's became <laughs> even more mm -hmm. important to me. And I think that that's another reason why women in middle age sometimes find sexual intimacy and vibrancy in life a challenge is because you just got your kids raised and they're probably still in college in the early formative years. And then you're having to take care of the older generation and you're kind of sandwiched there in the middle going, I'm taking care of everybody else, generation above, generation below, and not making time for yourself. But I suspect that that's not true for you. I suspect that making time for yourself is something that you have had to do or that you've chosen. To right. Do. It does not mean so actually a ministry in itself is all consuming. I'm part. Being a, a service member in the military is all consuming. You put those two together, uh, you've got to be able to figure out when and where. And I, I don't think that I've mastered it. I just keep trying to get better at it. And certainly we've had to get creative uh, on how, how intimacy what does that look like when you're thousands of miles apart, nearly 5,000 miles apart at one point, you know, um, and what do my boundaries need to look like? So for instance, so my only human connection to him is his audible voice. Mm -hmm. That also meant for me that um, I was talking less to anyone else on the phone. Mm -hmm. It's almost it's almost too intimate. Yeah, it's almost too intimate to talk to anyone else on the phone mm -hmm. because that's my that's what I do with my husband when we're far apart. A whole new definition of phone sex, right there. Absolutely. Intimacy, verbal Absolutely. intimacy. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, I that's that's for him. Mm -hmm. And so high yoga, verbal intimacy, not being afraid to let your gifts. Be out there like you are not afraid to let your light shine when I watched your sermon the other day that you shared with us I was like she looks so comfortable and so in her element so choosing a life path that really makes you feel fulfilled and rewarded is also probably a big part of it and this. having someone who can support me not that I do it correctly or perfectly but that he's, he's still by my side I am and I am experiencing that when he is with me, um, it's better what we were able to give out to our world. Mm -hmm. It's better. We recently just did a, uh, a marriage retreat together. We've been doing it for years, but we, we've missed out because of the distance. And 
getting coming together and learning, oh, how can we do this better? And doing a give and take. And we had this, um, he helped me uh, pull together uh, this bright uh, gold box with a gold bow on it. And he helped rename it. He named it the, the burgeoning question box. And it's something that we wouldn't have been able to do earlier in our marriage, but not the confidence, maybe not the experience. Uh, and so during that uh, retreat, that military marriage retreat, our couples could go and put their questions. Maybe they were too embarrassed to ask. Right. But it would be appropriate for a family life chaplain to address. And still looking to see, if, do I have any limits there? Uh, I think for the most part, we were together, we were able to uh, have a united front mm -hmm. and answer those questions, that, but also give the opportunity if they wanted to, to learn more or there needed to be something more healing to happen, they could talk afterwards to us. So working collaboratively in each of your passions. Yes. Forming a partnership, mm -hmm. that that team feeling is certainly something you guys enjoy together. I benefit greatly from, and I do believe that our our uh, our service members and family members do because of what we bring together. Mm -hmm. And have you always known how to wear makeup, style your hair, and dress like a rock star? Because <laughs> that's the thing that I have often noticed about you when you're not in your combat boots. Is is it because you're so free from your camouflage that you, you, like, do you enjoy this? Do you like getting all decked out and, and dolled up? Because you, you just, you shine when you well, put on civilian clothes and... A couple of things about that happened along the way. One is we talked about how God uses our past, some of the, the voids, mm -hmm. as well as the, as the gifts along the way. Certainly, I, I came from a, a poor family where I didn't always have the nicest of clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, um, as I'm in the, the academic setting I was in, it was required that we would wear civilian clothes uh, for big chunks of the time, especially if we were going to be uh, in the counseling room. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, there was some room for a little bit of creativity. You know, there's a, there was a standard of what that needed to be. And I had never experienced with clothing before as accessories that I had, I had inherited, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm putting things together. And it was such a great creative outlet after so many years of just, you know, pounding, pounding uh, after the mission, day after day. Uh, at the time, you know, it was uh, 2014. It had been a long decade, more than a decade, of getting after the battle and the, and the battle-weary people that we served. So there was an opportunity in there to, to, uh, to look at yourself and then see yourself differently. Yes. That's what I was going to ask you is the 59-year-old Lisa that radiates and is so confident and so comfortable in her own skin and rocks her bio photos and is really, you are a very sexy woman without looking like slutty at all in any way, shape, or form. You just radiate sexual confidence. That's why I wanted to interview you. So what did the 49-year-old Lisa, the 39-year-old Lisa, the 29-year-old Lisa, the 19-year-old Lisa, what did the former Lisa not know then that you know now? That you didn't, or that I didn't have to have a perfect um, size A or size 10 body to be worthy of wearing nice clothes and have things that match and, and to be put together in a way that was fun and creative. Um, 
you know, not just from getting to getting something to get by. Mm -hmm. So not being afraid to take care of yourself mm -hmm. and to be good to yourself and to adorn yourself. And not that you have to do that every day. I think that a woman can be totally beautiful in her most natural state. I know that most of my days are ball cap and no makeup, and but I, I really feel pretty like that. My husband tells me that, but as I get older, I also find that it's just, it's fun to kind of fix yourself up a little bit, especially post COVID. This banquet that we had this past weekend, it was so fun to really get dolled up and put on our little black dresses. And maybe you are in a place in your life right now that you just haven't done that for yourself in a while. And maybe you've been sitting around in your baggy sweatpants and not doing that self-care, not getting that exercise, not thinking about how to invest your passions into worthwhile pursuits. I want you to kind of stand yourself up and shake yourself off a little bit and remind yourself that life is worth grabbing by the tail and let it be a wild ride that takes you to some really exciting places. And you have lived a really exciting life, Chaplain Northway. <laughs> it has been amazing. It's been amazing to have someone to share it with. Yes. But, and also in those mean times when it uh, it was just my single comrades, you know, uh, especially the women and the, the chaplain spouses that get gathered around me to, to look after me uh, and those people. It's been a great thing. And I want to say, too, is that um, getting comfortable in your own skin and I feel good about that. It also has meant that I could go out the door with less makeup and it didn't have to be just so I could just I could put on, you know, the, the t-shirt and the video you know, clothes and we just go together mm -hmm. and, and enjoy each other in, in that. The confidence too. doesn't come from the clothes or the hairstyle exactly. or the size or shape. The confidence comes from within and confidence is sexy. That's yes. the bottom line. And I have noticed that in my husband as well when I'm able to embrace myself is that and he's able to embrace who he is, his strength. And his uh, his security and, and what God has made him to be uh, and do, and when we get together, that is so attractive. Right. You were so you were amazing. telling a story the other day that I can totally identify with. You were saying how uh, Garrett was engrossed in something and he had his glasses on, and that you yes. were just kind of looking at him, thinking, "Wow, I have a very sexy middle-aged husband." I frequently think that about Charlie with his salt and pepper gray hair and his academic professor glasses. It was like, I'm such a lucky woman. So growing older does not have to mean that you lose your attraction for your mate mm -hmm. or your appreciation for yourself and your own sexual attraction. Charlie said something the other day that I thought, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to say about Garrett. He said, have you ever noticed that this person and Superman are never in the same room at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah. That that feeling that when I look at him, he doesn't, and he's, he's unaware too. Yeah. He doesn't know, you know. And it's like we just can't know. We don't know what other people see. But then at the same time, there's an entity beyond that that, whether we do or we don't, right? It's good. Yeah. And speaking it out when you when you notice something very attractive about your spouse, or even something that you're learning to appreciate more and more about yourself. Don't be afraid to speak that out to your mate. It's, I think that that's what makes life really interesting is just the new observations that we have about ourselves and about others and not being afraid to, to talk about that and to affirm what we see. It feels really good to finally be able to tell you how beautiful I think that you are and how confident of a woman I've always perceived you to be. And I just really appreciate you taking the time out to bless our listeners 
especially those who are middle-aged and thinking that it's downhill from here, uh-uh, Lisa's got a totally different challenge for you. This, these could be the best years of your life. So instead of, instead of giving up, ramp it up, ladies. So this has been Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. We love you for listening, and we thank you for tapping on time.